You can't go out playing golf having fun. Fun. Senor, you've obviously never played wing foot. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. You've got to be kidding me, Vegas. I'm on night. There's my picks for this week. Now, if you want next week's picks, I can give you those by Friday. Hello sports fans, and welcome to week 11 of the Wingfoot Locks. We start our show with some sad news today, the death of the undefeated Tees. It was a good run for Greg Hoyle, but the Carolina Panthers were the undoing. He lost his O last week. He had been a perfect 6-0. Greg, we started the show with taps. How are you feeling? I'm going to counter with some optimism where one streak ends, where there's death, you have to have birth, right? Yes, I love it. A new streak streak begins, and that's the streak of me beating you in our head. Oh, no. Yes, we will start there. I thought you were going to go another place. The yeah, s- nope, nope, nope. The, the place, Joe. Superchargers could not hold up their end of their bo- of the bargain, despite Miami trying to help them out there. Uh, Twenty-eight. What was it? Twenty-eight. Twenty-one. The final. I believe it was. Twenty-nine. Twenty-one. Twenty-nine. Twenty-one. Uh, in a very competitive. Very competitive game down in Miami. <laughs> Not really. Dolphins uh, pretty much led the whole way. Uh, I thought you were going to go a different place. I thought you were going to start with Chris Portente getting back on the horse with the Wingfoot Lock of the Week. Guys picking 70%, you know, better than 70% on the season. And, uh, you know, if we, we look at the NFL in quarters, right? And so he was 75% in the first half of the season. Now we got the second, we're in the third quarter, and he's one and one in the third quarter of the season. He's got two more wins that means lined up for us, if, if statistics have shown us anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, sorry, Chris. I was, I was all about promoting myself right there. Uh, but I, I told you earlier today, all I have is hearty thank yous for you as well. Chris Chris had some, some inside info, not really inside info, just a, a good call yesterday. <laughs> Uh, that that he enjoyed during his slumber. Yes. See, sometimes you have to go, you know, you just put it in and then you go to sleep and you look at the box score in the morning. Sometimes that's the best way to consume a game. That's an important question. Can... Can you do that? Because I can't do that. So, I literally can't fall asleep if I've got action and it's close, <laughs> yeah. and that's just not going to happen. I can, but I don't want to, right? Like the sure. reason I the reason I do this is because it makes the game watching the games more enjoyable for me. Mm-hmm. So the prognostication uh, and being <clears throat> right, and then seeing the corresponding also. Also, I will say that because of live betting and hedging and all of that stuff that goes on, I think that it's kind of like. You know, you have current events happening. So if you have to hedge, you can't do that while you're sleeping. You know, if, if elements change uh, that you didn't foresee happening, then you have to go and you have to be able to be nimble. And you can't do that if you are uh, if you are in, in uh, your REM cycle. I, I love that you just called it current events because that's literally what I call football is my current events. Of course it is. Of course it is. With that, though, and speaking of like unforeseen events, we had a big unforeseen event last week in Drew Brees going down. I don't know if you thought that's where I was going to go. But Drew no, I thought Brees. you were going to go with one one Nicholas Chubb. But oh. uh, yeah, talk about talk about the significant sig. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to to uh, to Chubb in a minute here. But <laughs> who left uh, a lot of a lot of betters flaccid? <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. So. 
Uh, We'll get to him in a second, but we're going to start with Drew Brees. Guy has five fractured ribs um, and a punctured lung. And I was all on the side of the 49ers fans who were frustrated saying he that's not a a roughing the passer. He seemingly tried to come down. I think it was too. I think it was too. So the question is, is it the force of... Of a man who of a three hundred pound man falling on him, or is it that his bones have just become brittle in his AARP phase of football life? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, lar- large man falls down on old guy, and old guy gets hurt. They need the uh, the I fall in and I can't get up. <laughs> life alert! Life alert life for alert. Drew Brees. He, he's gonna, that, that that's a good. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask my boy Dragon to tweet that out at uh, Drew Brees and see if he can't get an advertisement for us. There so you go. He, ha- he handles the, the, the proxy account. Listen, that being said, Jameis Winston came in and managed to uh, ru- you know guide the ship to a victory uh, along with Alvin Kamara and the rest of the crew there. Uh, 49ers squandered a couple opportunities that they had, including a pick in the red zone, which would have been the backdoor cover I was looking for uh, uh-huh. <laughs> late. But... This week, the Saints, uh, they're going with the changeup here. They're announcing today that Taysom Hill's getting the start at quarterback. And so a guy has thrown, I believe, 10 passes total this season. Uh, he's thrown something like 18 or 19 passes in his NFL career. Uh, they had to go back. I was watching ESPN earlier to his college highlights in order to find some video of him throwing dimes. Uh, over at BYU <laughs> before he went on his mission there. So I got to ask you, Greg, what do you make of Taysom Hill being the quarterback against the Atlanta Falcons this week? Uh, I didn't really expect it, but when you think about it, um, you know, they, they are basically saying we want to have somebody that's going to take care of the football, right? So, like, I guess you don't know whether or not Taysom Hill can do that, um, but you certainly know that – uh, James Winston cannot. So uh, from that side of things, it's it doesn't seem like a bad call. Uh, I don't know why you bring Winston in, right? If he's not going to start in this situation, why is he on the roster? I don't I don't really get that part of it. But uh, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Maybe it'll be uh, you know like the Tom Brady coming in for Drew Bledsoe here. It might be the, the start of a new era. So I, I got to say, though, I think you just made a great point there. If you're not going to start Jameis Winston, why do you have him on the roster? And I'm just curious here, right? Because they said Taysom Hill is their starting quarterback. They didn't say how many plays he's going to be in the game for. Right. And I yep. think Sean Payton, who's all about gamesmanship, maybe he comes mm-hmm. in for the first play. Maybe he comes in for the first couple plays. And now you have the Atlanta Falcons thinking, okay, we have to prepare for Taysom Hill. And then he's really just the opener. And they go to Jameis Winston. And it's just a whole different game plan that the Falcons were preparing for. Um, that being said... I am on the Atlanta Falcons plus three and a half this week. All right, and let me tell you why. Falcons, first of all, a little extra rest, right, coming into this one. And I think there was, I believe it was Bill Parcells who said, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. And I don't care what's going on over there. I believe that this is a bad situation for the New Orleans Saints if they are trying to mess around and and have Taysom Hill just come in and be the starting quarterback and then they're going to mix things up. But even if Taysom Hill is their quarterback that they're going with, how can you trust a guy who hasn't thrown the ball down in and down out on an NFL level? The guy's 30 years old. Uh, he went to his his Mormon mission after his you know his collegiate career. And he's been a, he's listed, I think, as a tight end and has primarily been a running back. Guy's got, I think, seven touchdowns receiving, four touchdowns rushing, zero touchdowns throwing in his NFL career. So I think that's going to pause a little cause a little bit of a problem. But he doesn't have chemistry with these wide receivers. You can't make every play a gadget play out there. And the wildcat is something that I think teams learned to adjust to a couple years ago, uh, thanks to the Miami Dolphins. So for that reason. I, I'm fading New Orleans. Throw in the fact that Atlanta has been playing some really good ball as of late, and they get a little bit of extra rest. 
I think that this team is hitting its stride right now. I think Raheem Morris has been doing a good job there, seems to have the support of the players, and I think that makes the difference this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons win this one outright. But I'm not going there. I'm not. I'm, I don't even. I don't think I'll end up sprinkling. When I get three in the hook, I'll take three in the hook and take a W on that one. Because uh, I don't want to. I don't want to splash the pot or you know, be loose with my chips here as we try to stack them towards the end of the season. So I will go with the Atlanta Falcons. Take the three and a half points in the division rival game against the Saints with extra rest. What do you think, Greg? See, I'm wondering now that we're actually like sitting here trying to process this is I wonder if the only people reacting to this Taysom Hill news are like the general population. Right. And Atlanta's probably thinking like we're not going to change our preparation. Uh, You know, Taysom Hill's the starter, quote unquote. Uh, Jameis Winston's still going to get the majority of the snaps and the pass attempts, but they're going to try and throw us off the scent and make us adapt to a mobile quarterback versus a pocket passer. So as we're kind of talking about all this, I didn't have an opinion on the side, but I am kind of thinking that there is some some definite gameplay going on here. I don't know that I've ever made a selection on like pass attempts by a quarterback, mm. but I'd be willing to I'd be willing to call the bluff here and take the under for Taysom Hill pass attempts uh, based off this news. I got to go find it. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> and may, maybe I'll get it uh, tweeted out or maybe I'll tag uh, on Instagram the, the Wingfoot uh, you know, sports account or something like that. I'll get it out in some way, shape or form. But it, it's interesting. And, and I think it's just a, a bluff call. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see here because I'm calling I'm calling I'm calling the bluff. I kudos I'm that, that he's totally he's totally trying to mess around with the situation and make them adapt to his mobile game plan and that's not going to happen. And kudos kudos to Sean Payton if that's the case one way or the other because I think that's awesome and I love gamesmanship and you know the devil is in the details as they say starter doesn't mean he's going to be back there and take you know 60 snaps under center uh, as it goes. Right. So I I hope that the Atlanta Falcons are preparing for that because I am on that side, so we'll see how it plays out this week. All right, let's move on to the next game that we both like here. The New England Patriots laying two on the road against Houston. Greg, since I took the first game, I'll let you take first crack at this one here. Why do you like the Pats this week? They're coming off that win uh, on Sunday Night Football against the Ravens. Well, I, I feel like uh, there was an opportunity miss here because didn't it did it start either Pickham or um, the Texans favored a little, um, but I wasn't I wasn't ready to to do the research when I was there. We're getting it at two now, correct? Two I had, or it two op- and a half. It, according to this, it opened actually at Houston minus three. That had to be a line looking looking ahead. I'm guessing off the Jets loss. Uh, and currently, yes, it is two or two and a half. New England is minus. So initially it had Houston minus three, and now it is two. It's most places it's two. I do see one two and a half out there. Yeah, I mean, so uh, number one, it's Belichick versus Cornell, right? Um, so you, know, you have a guy who just hasn't been good enough to get himself a head coaching job in the league, right? When, when you're not better than Bill O'Brien, right? How, how <laughs> good are you at, at coaching a squad here? Right. Um, and then, the, I mean, the Patriots, they're, they're clawing back. They're still in that division race, right? Um, Cam, even though he hasn't looked, you know, great, he's not looking as poorly as he was when he came right back off of COVID. I think he settled back in. And that run game... The, the dynamic that Damian Harris has actually given them on the ground. He looked good, um, didn't he? In addition to, yeah, he's had like two or three 100-yard games. Yeah. He's just gashing through there. He's, I mean, he's looked really good. Guy is running um, hard. So that you know that's that's an impressive win and and I, the conditions certainly play towards what the Patriots want to do but you you can't you know you can't take away the fact that Baltimore runs the rock too so basically they just beat them in bad conditions kind of at their own game um, so they're 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 playing the tough defense mm-hmm. run the ball um, they're they're mixing things up with those wide receivers they don't look 
terrible, right? They obviously have nobody, but uh, Jacoby <laughs> was it Jacoby Myers. Yeah, uh, they're getting creative with them, so they're doing what they have to do, and it's just it's a good example of good coaches figuring out a way to win. Uh, and Houston has nothing to nothing to play for, and they just haven't impressed at all. And I, I think they're going to get gashed. So they're also coming off. Let's not forget the Houston is coming off that loss against uh, the Browns in what was just a, a dreadful game to watch. Uh, Greg was disappointed that that game didn't kick. We'll talk about that next. So we'll get there in a second. But for them to only be able to put up seven points, I know we talked about the win conditions. Um, it was it was an ugly game, and I, I don't know I don't know what to make of Houston outside of. Um, Deshaun Watson this year, right? Deshaun Watson, if you look at it, I think he's got like the third or fourth highest QBR in the league. Um, and I think that he's, they're still throwing the ball downfield, at least, you know, attempting to. Uh, last week's conditions obviously made that a little bit more difficult. But the thing that I really want to point out about this is that the strength of the Houston Texans plays into the strength of the New England Patriots, right? The wide receiving core that downfield passing game is going right at the Patriots secondary which is probably the best part of that Patriots defense here and I think that that lends itself to uh, an advantage Patriots there if you say styles make fights we already know we got the better coach uh, and he's going to take away Bill Belichick is going to take away whatever your biggest strength is and his strength is going to be able to take away that and then of course the Houston Texans come in with one of the worst rushing defenses on the league we saw that um, play out a little bit with the with Cleveland uh, and what was a bit of a spirited effort I thought by that defense and I thought it would be um, but when it looked at, look at the total yardage, uh, and they put up a pretty good number uh, against that that defense, and I think that the Patriots, right, they are they're still focused on a playoffs position. They are not going to uh, go gently into that good night. Um, nope. So I think that this week is key for them, especially when they have a gauntlet coming up. Uh, the one thing that I think is that is kind of key is that this is a very low number because Bill Belichick has a way in some of these games of winning them very closely, of not giving away too much, just making sure his team salts away a win so that they don't have to reveal anything for the next week so that he keeps his guys, I think, a little fresh um, so they're ready to go. And the other thing is... Cam Newton still has a chip on his shoulder. I think he developed a nice rapport with Myers, as you mentioned there, Greg. What's Nikhil Harry's mm -hmm. status? Look oh, into that. Because we looked I at don't this. Know. He's, he's probably one of twenty-seven dudes that's who's questionable. questionable. Yeah, we were looking at this, uh, uh, and obviously, as he he's not on there, which is why um, I was I was asking about it. We love the games that Bill Belichick plays with. The injury report, as I believe the entire team this week is, is questionable, so it should be yeah. interesting. They were all limited in practice. <laughs> this this just tickled me here a little bit. Do you know who the the two Houston wins are this year? Jacksonville and Jacksonville. Yes. <laughs> so so I'm I'm liking this. I'm pretty sure New England is not Jacksonville. Um so I'm I'm liking this situation. Jacksonville against they beat them with two different quarterbacks. How about that? That's a sign of a, a, a good team there. They could they could beat them. Oh with my the goodness. Oh you mean quarterback yes. and the backup quarterback. Yes. And um yeah, so we're just being very facetious. We're really down like I've seen this. I don't think it was minus three, but I think that's pretty laughable that uh, that Houston was a favorite to start here. And quite frankly, I think that's a big miss by me to not have jumped all over that and ran several teases through New England uh, because that's when a bad number like that comes out. I, I got to keep my eyes earlier in the week peeled for something like that and pounce on it because that's that's ridiculous. Well, let's be honest here. You have been critical of the early picks, right? You like to have as much information as possible. Uh, whereas yeah. sometimes that initial number and being first to act, hey, you get the best of the number sometimes if you're on the right side of it. So uh, interesting well, to look at. The information that you need now has turned into our dude's going to run to the end zone um, <laughs> with, you know, 
50 seconds left on the clock and only a three-point lead, or are they not? Yes, that's uh, ridiculous. Tough decision, tough decision. I just want to read this before we get to that. Uh, Nikhil Harry, a surprise addition to the injury report, one of 15 Patriots listed as questionable on their injury report. But here's the best part about it, right? So he's been dealing with concussions. He was put on the injury report with a shoulder injury. So that is his questionable injury that he's dealing with this week. I think he's going to play. And if he does play, I think that that's one other weapon that Cam Newton has over there. And maybe the only legitimate weapon he had in the receiving core prior to him developing a little bit of a rapport and Meyer starting to to break out a little bit here. So I like that Cam Newton all of a sudden might have two weapons out there. uh, And then that obviously the threat of that running game, which has been awesome as of late I, for them i i could care less if he plays i, I could care not care less all. could not care less i could not care less <laughs> uh, i could care if their entire offensive line who is also listed on the uh injury report if any of those guys are playing yeah. uh so that's that's important so we will see again bill belichick as we talked about sean payton and his gamesmanship perhaps Bill Belichick using his gamesmanship this week. Let's move on to the next game. And this is one that left a, uh, what do they say? It's a stick in your craw? Is that the uh, is that the correct <laughs> term that I'm looking for there? I, I, I don't know if I'm familiar with the term that you're trying to get to. Well, it left Greg unhappy. Let's just say that. He went from uh, midnight to 6 o'clock as Nick Chubb started to break it down the sideline. What would have been a touchdown to cover. Uh, Up three, he decides to step out at the two-yard line and seal the victory for his team. I don't fault him for that decision. I wish that his momentum would have carried him into the end zone, much the way it did a couple weeks ago for Todd Gurley. And instead of getting a win, Greg ends up with a push last week with Cleveland. And now the Cleveland Browns are taking on your Philadelphia Eagles, who are coming off their loss to the Giants, and nobody wants to win the NFC East. So that's the cool Mm -hmm. part there. This week, the Eagles... Oh, who's the favorite in that one? I know it's minus two. I didn't write who the favorite was next to it for me. I I got a three. Um... And it's it's the Browns. Yeah, Cleveland Browns minus Cleveland minus two. Uh, I see it at two, pretty much across. Oh no, there's some yeah, two and a half and three, primarily here. So you like you like something in this game, but you're not you're not picking a side here. Tell me what you like and why. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the under forty seven and a half, and it's actually gonna be the first leg of our tease at fifty four and a half. Um, Phillies just had no rhythm whatsoever on offense and has not been putting the ball in the end zone with any sort of consistency. They're going for two when they don't need two, and they only need one. So when they do go in the end zone, a lot of the time they're only scoring six points. So that's that's always beneficial towards a, a nice under. Um, Cleveland, I, so I think this is also going to be one of the things that, like, I don't think Philly just got bad uh, against the run. Uh, and that's the strength for Cleveland. So I do think they'll be able to get the ball to the backs out in the flat. Uh, but I think it's going to be, um, you know, Cleveland moving the ball down the field, but they're not going to get massive chunks. Right. Uh, and I, I was also looking into, I think we've got another, and I think, you know, it's a weekend in Cleveland. And it seems like every single one of these darn things has been pretty bad weather. Sorry. No, I I just want to clarify something poor, here though. So you, preparation. You're talking about hundred percent chance of rain, uh, and I don't <laughs> have the wind. I don't have the wind yet, but uh, you know, go figure. This is the third and fourth games that it's you know pouring and ridiculous out. And as long as they don't start That's, the game yes. thirty minutes late, like you you handicap a game and you pick a game based on the advantage that you would have when it's a monsoon out and they let the Patriots and the Ravens play through said monsoon. But for some reason, we've got to delay the start of the Cleveland game. So then our handicap where Houston is going to throw the ball gets all jacked up. All right. So I love, I love your obvious like uh, bitterness over this here. However, you did see the lightning strikes. Didn't you? That were going on around the stadium. 
you saw the lightning strikes that were that were going from the sky directly to the ground uh, and looked like they were ready to kill somebody. I'm I'm bitter, but it was only a push. But still, it should have been a W. Yeah, and I should have, and I'm I'm mad at myself, should because I should have played the under because you instructed me to play the under during our podcast, and I was like, well, no, I'm not taking that, but I'm I'm taking the three. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I didn't know why it did, didn't sound right to me that you didn't like the you were concerned about the running game being too good for Cleveland against that Houston defense. That was the the main point then. But I, I'm curious I this week. So so why do you think that this game will obviously you talked about the deficiencies of um Philly's offense. And I actually actually before we get there I want to ask, what do you make of Carson Wentz right now, man? As as an Eagles fan, as an observer, how how's your confidence level on Carson Wentz as a quarterback? Are you still uh are you still putting trust and faith in him? Um, I don't. I don't even know what to say here. So <laughs> I, I, I want to blame multiple factors here, including the quarterback. I just think the coaching's been uninspired as well. So I'm just I'm pretty down on the the whole situation. Uh, and I, I I laugh at the fact that people actually took Philly in their survivor league last week because I don't. I'm the biggest fan, right? And I have no confidence. Right. So from that side of things, uh, you know, did, did I sprinkle them to Moneyline win once or twice? Yeah. Um, but, you know, mine's out of fandom and uh, a little, little discretionary income that I'm just <laughs> giving to people. Uh, I think that we're going to look back at that Philly Super Bowl and say that was comparable to the Detroit Pistons when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, when they won, excuse me, the NBA championship out of this stream because that's a ridiculous statement. No, it's not. They had a team that came together that year, and think about it: they beat the New England Patriots, who are, are kind of an equivalent dynasty to what the Los Angeles Lakers were when the Pistons won it. They had guy. Come on, if Chauncey Billups and Nick Foles don't have a lot in common, and what happened? Yes, it was a series versus a game, but dude, like these teams have a lot I- of similarities. I would venture to say that Chauncey Billups and Nick Foles have nothing in common. Oh. Period. End of story. Zero things. They they're not. They don't have the same sign. Clutch. Uh, they all nothing. come through in the clutch. They are clutch players. Don't, don't you compare Super Bowl MVP <laughs> Nick Foles to Chauncey Billups? I believe he was the NBA Finals MVP that year. Come on, man. It was a, it was a team win. Yes, exactly, team win, and that's the way we're going to look I back on I it. I don't like this topic. Let's move on. All right, to the next uh, game under, we go. Uh, under under Eagles forty seven and a half front end of the tees. There we Let's go. go. We'll get to the back end seven, of the tees in a seven pointer. Seven point tees. Yes, we'll get to the back end of the tees in a second. Now I want to go to the Tennessee Titans. This is I'm I'm like playing double dutch with the Titans this year. I'm out. I'm in. I'm in. I'm out. I am back on the Titans this week as they are taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Greg, I know you're with me on this one. I'll go first here. So Tennessee is coming off extra rest. So let's start right there. That's an advantage. Baltimore, their offense has looked atrocious. And I think if we think back to last season, the number one thing that helped the number one team that seemed to figure out the Baltimore Ravens was the Tennessee Titans, Mike Vrabel. And you have a lot of that same defense back as they're playing them this week. Also, when you look at the last loss that they had, Tennessee, they probably couldn't have looked worse in the sense, but when you look back at it, it was a punting game, a kicking game that cost them basically. Two touchdowns in that one. Uh, It was, I think, what was it, a 17-yard punt? And then a Mm -hmm. a blocked punt that was returned for a touchdown. And the crazy thing about that is the Titans had worked out two kickers that week. And at the last minute, the other kicker, I don't know his name, the other kicker was supposed to get the start, and they decided to switch it. Bad kicker A. A, yes. Bad kicker B. (laughs) So instead they go with bad kicker B, which proved to be... I mean, it had to be the worst of two options because I feel like you could have put anybody back there just taking a sack. They go for it every fourth down, which I wouldn't be shocked if they do this week 
knowing Mike Vrabel and his coaching style being as aggressive as he is, I wouldn't be surprised if they go for it on just about every fourth down. They were already going for a lot of fourth sta- fourth downs this season, Tennessee yeah, being hyper-aggressive. field goals either. Right. right. And then the other thing that you look at Tennessee this week is the fact that they are an underdog, right? They have been a favorite in so many of these games. You're catching six points with them here. I love them in this spot, even if they don't win. We looked at this beforehand, Greg. Uh, Baltimore and Tennessee both have big games coming up next week in lo- terms of look-ahead spots. You've got Pittsburgh yep. uh, for Baltimore and a rematch with the Colts for Tennessee. When it all shakes out here, I think that when you look at the Baltimore offense against the Tennessee defense, they ha- both have their flaws and their weak spots. I think the best part of the Baltimore off, uh, team has been their defense, and I think that's going up against the strength of the Tennessee team in their offense this week. The other thing is that the offense for Baltimore hasn't been the same since their offensive linemen went out, uh, and I I think that was a huge difference. I don't think they have found somebody who's comfortable at that spot. Lamar Jackson just doesn't look like he knows where he's going. He looks like he he's indecisive whether he's running the ball or throwing the ball. And I think that has been a big part of their offense uh, struggling. And I think that's going to continue this week against Tennessee. Why do you like the Titans? Blockheads do tend to be indecisive, Joe. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I I mean, anyone who's watching football this year is watching Lamar Jackson struggle, and he needs to add another element to his game. Um, And just like you mentioned here, catching points, right, versus needing them to outright win. Uh, My one primary question is, because I do need this to be validated, have they rectified these punting woes? Like, what what is happening there? Because you you brought all that up. We talked about it. And then I was like, wait, did we verify if they actually brought in an actual punter? Because if they can't punt and we've seen them struggle to kick field goals, they, they're going to have a massive uh, disadvantage in the special teams. So I do want to you know, ask the people out there and ask you in particular, do, do we know if they've rectified this punting situation? So I believe they're going with the other punter, but I will I will check that out. Uh, punter, uh, that a. We, a. punter A. Bad kicker A uh, in this one. Known for his 18-yard punts instead of 17-yard <laughs> punts. Oh, brother. So that that that's the only thing that gives me pause. But again, you're catching six points. If you can find it anywhere at seven, obviously, that would be great. But uh, I, I do like the points, and, and I do like what you're, you're mentioning there. And I just think... I think Tennessee was one of the first people on to how to kind of stymie that Baltimore offense. And, you know, I think they've, they've still got the strong coaching. Um, and I don't think they, they're as bad as they showed up on that Thursday night game. I think you're right that it was just kind of an avalanche there after those punts that they just they were just kind of at too big of an obstacle to overcome. All right. So I'm going to read this and I will credit it to uh, Titans Wire here. Okay, Titans Wire, uh, and this is from yesterday. So the Tennessee Titans are promoting Trevor Daniel to the team's 53-man roster and adding Ryan Allen to the practice squad. Yes, you read that correctly. Daniel got the nod. That's bad kicker B. Got the nod in Week 10 over Allen, which at the time didn't make much sense considering Allen was brilliant in place of Brett Kern in Week 9 when he averaged 50.5 yards per punt. Oh my! Yes, so I I did not realize that he had did kicked. Did A did he lose a leg or something in between, and that's how he lost the competition? I have no idea, um, and I don't know. I'm I'm reading if he was injured. I I see nothing over about him being injured in that for that uh, game against the Colts. It, this is the worst decision since bringing Nathan Peterman in instead of Tyrod Taylor. Um, and four interceptions later, uh, you realize it was a bad decision. This is literally one of the – this is going down into epic bad calls. All right. So I got to read this line because this is hysterical for me. And, and I got to give this author credit. Ready? As I dig deeper, this is probably the most we've ever talked about punters, period. 
end of discussion. Uh, I, I, I got a couple of buddies that, that salivate over, you know, listening to uh, punk game analysis. Well, here you go, then. They're going to be drinking hey, this, this is, in here. Yeah, this is going to be great Sunday morning cup of coffee uh, listening here. All right. Bunker down. So when asked about why he wanted to start Daniel over Allen last week, Mike Vrabel pointed out the former's success in practice as being the reason. And so after this recent move, that seems to indicate Daniel will get the start once again. It's clear he must be the greatest practice punter of all time. <laughs> that line goes to Mike. I hope, it's, I'm, I hope I'm saying this right. Moriatis. Uh, there you go. I'm pretty sure I butchered that last name. I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, you'll probably never M&M. hear this. Eminem. But that, that's fantastic. So uh, hopefully that they've gone back to the punter who knows how to punt the ball correctly and uh, can, can flip field position for them. But listen, I, I don't mind if they go for it in, in the right situations, you know? Well, well now, now punter B can go back to the deliveries that they said he was interrupted from. It is the holiday season. Black Friday's coming up here. It's true. So they, they, they need him out there. Amazon, out there UPS, on. Target, all mm-hmm. hiring. I have no respect for I have no disrespect for any working individual. If you need a job, there is value in hard work and there is no shame in pulling down a paycheck and blue collar work. I am all about I it. You have I do have disrespect for punters that can't put the ball uh, you know, being bad at your out. job, right? You can have disrespect for being bad at your job, but no Indeed. disrespect for hard work. Indeed. With that being said, let's go to the next game here. Uh, the Speaking of bad at your job, we said there were going to be a couple hold-your-nose picks this week. I'll go with the uh, New York Jets coming off the bye as uh, they head to sunny Los Angeles to take on the Chargers, who I was very fond of last week. Uh, the Jets... Mm, how'd that work out for you, Joe? It, it didn't work out for me, Greg. We established that in the beginning of the podcast. Let's move on. I, 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 I We were going to call the... Eagles Super Bowl, a big fluke, so I had to bring this Not a fluke. Not a fluke. I'm just saying team chemistry. Things clicked. Anyway, the Jets this week are 10-point underdogs against the Chargers out in L.A. And I think that, first of all, I love taking bad teams with big numbers against another bad team, right? So that's one of the things that you look at here. Um, The Chargers right now had to go, obviously, through that, West Coast, East Coast, back to the West Coast travel, which I think that's always plays to the advantage of a team, especially when you're coming off extra rest with the Jets, which the Jets are this week, coming off their bye week. Uh, And then throw in the fact that the Jets, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, the Jets' offense looked competent on Monday Night Football uh, with Joe Flacco and their full complement of wide receivers there. So I have no reason to believe that they won't be able to do that again uh, against the Chargers. Joe Flacco again getting the start, Sam Darnold sideline for this one. Uh, And then this might be the only situation in NFL history where I can't clearly say that either of these coaches are the worst of the two coaches in the game. Anthony Lynn and Adam Gaze really... Toward the bottom of the league, if not the bottom coaches in the league when it comes to this. So uh, I, I think 31, that, 32. Yeah, I think that these teams are, are both extremely bad. Uh, and I don't doubt that I would not be surprised if the Jets get one win this season. I There was a, a, a computer simulation that did ran all these algorithms and things. They think that the Jets will get one win. And for some reason, it's going to come against the Patriots, which is just shocking to me. If they're going to get one win, this might be the win that they get. Right? So uh, I remember last year, it was I think it was the Jets against Cleveland. In a similar spot, Cleveland was the winless team. And roles were reversed. And Cleveland managed to get their one win uh, of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets shock, I don't know who they're shocking because it's. I don't think anybody's really big. The the four San the four Los Angeles Chargers fans uh, who are rooting for the team this year out there and would have attended a game if they had been allowed to. That's gonna be the biggest win of the season. That's gonna be the biggest like 
sleeper win of the season is having no fans uh, for the be allowed to attend games for the Chargers because there's no way they were ever going to fill that stadium over there, and it would have been really depressing. Le- level the playing field for them. I would. I, so now, go ahead. Now that you're you're mentioning that game, I'm I'm gonna make no comment on the side. Um, but what I will say is I agreed with you with them trotting out the receivers who all seem healthy. They they did look like. Um, I can't even remember the. It, it's obviously Mims, Perryman, and I can't remember the, the guy who's proven the most. Well, no, 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 not Barrios. The guy that catches all the damn balls. <laughs> oh, Crowder. He's Jar- Jar- Jarvis Landry. Crowder. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Crowder. Um, that that looked good. Like they were spreading the ball out pretty decent there. So I, I'm kind of looking at the over in that game um, now that now that we're talking about it. So I I would go over 46, uh, and I'll make that an official pick. Uh, over 46. I like it. Uh, uh, an on-the-fly official pick. We're adding to it. I got no problem. Educated guess. Educated guess. Yeah, I like it. I like that better than than on-the-fly. All right. Sometimes when you hear, when you talk it out, right, you, things come to you here. Uh-huh. So over 46 yes, on the Jets and Chargers, and I will take the points with the Jets. Look, if, if um, Justin Herbert comes out and throws the ball all over the field and uh, Bosa gets to Joe Flacco and breaks his clavicle, I, I'm i not going to be shocked by any of this. I don't know who the Jets' backup quarterback is right now, so um, that's something that I might want to look into. Maybe it's uh, their backup tight end, Chris Herndon. Uh, anyway, I'm referencing Taysom Hill there and how they're having a tight end start at quarterback. So I will, I will go with the Jets, I will hold my nose, and I will take the 10 points this week against the Chargers, and that's longer than we needed to talk about the Jets. We've talked about the Jets and punters for far too long, yeah. far yeah. too long on this week. Why don't you, wanted you pivot right to our other hold-your-nose game That's here, exactly where, I, w- that's exactly where I was going. So why don't you take <laughs> it, Greg? We go from the Jets to the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> Yep. So um, where we went with and acknowledged that Tennessee and the Ravens both had the look ahead situation, we think Pittsburgh has look ahead situation here against Jacksonville. Uh, and I'm going to make that the second half here, um, tacking that on to uh, 17 and a half here. Jackson's played some pretty competitive games granted against houston um and then but against green bay um their special teams look better their offense look better and joe and i couldn't figure out if their defense has gotten better or if teams are just taking them lightly and kind of coasting through the games i'll take that i don't need their defense to be any better i just need the other offenses to let up here um because i'm grabbing 17 and a half so i think that's too many Pittsburgh did certainly blow out the the Bengals, but the rest of their games this year have been relatively close. And I think with them coming in as the only undefeated left, other teams are going to get up against Pittsburgh here and start trying to knock them off. And I'm not going to be crazy here and say that Jacksonville is going to knock them off. But, you know, very few people thought that Jacksonville was going to keep last week's game as tight as it was against Green Bay. Um, so, you know, give me give me 17 and a half. You got to play it all the way up there. That's a key number. Uh, and I and I like it there. And Pittsburgh will definitely be trying to just take the air out of the ball and start getting ready for the Ravens game uh, the next week, looking ahead to that Thanksgiving uh, primetime matchup there. So I, I love the situation. I'm going to take it at 10 and a half and I'm going to, I'm going to put it <clears throat> as that second part of the tease. Now we talked about this a little bit before the podcast here, but Mike Tomlin obviously came out this week and said, you know, paid the Jaguars some respect here. He said yeah. that they are, this isn't a big 10 team versus a Mac team. And I was insulted for the Mac. Don't worry. I, I love some action. Uh, but this is in the NFL. These are all professionals. And any given Sunday, blah, 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 we got to be ready to go out and play them. So I'm very curious, though. Does that in any way influence you, make you concerned that, okay, Tomlin's not going to let the Steelers look past uh, the Jaguars in what would be easily considered a trap game? 
Yes, and I'm glad you brought this up because it was what I wanted to highlight here, uh, where you know you have coach speak, right? To me, that coach speak means practices seemed a little loose. They're not; their heads aren't on straight, right? So Tomlin is talking to his guys, saying these guys aren't just going to roll over. We got to get geeked up, right? And the rest of the team's probably like, "Well, we got Lamar and the Ravens on Thursday, so <laughs> I need to save a little here." Uh, so I think I, I love that you mentioned that because to me, that means they might seem a little bit uh, distracted or, or looking ahead. So. That just validates for me. I don't think the coach needs to come out and say that if his guys are lighting it up and having a great week of practice, right? Why in the world would he ever say that? Great point. I love it. Let's move on. Oh, so just want to recap there. That's the second half of the tees. So the two legs of the tees are the under in Philly and Cleveland, 54 and a half, and then Jacksonville plus 17 and a half. And that brings us to what I believe is our final game of the week on Monday Night Football here. This week, the Rams are headed to Tampa Bay uh, to take on the Bucks. Tampa Bay laying four points in this one, coming off that big win against Carolina, while the Rams are coming off a big win of their own against Seattle. So, I am on the Rams this week. I think that, first of all, the bounce-back spot was something that concerned me a little bit uh, with Tom Brady having that terrible loss on national TV. I thought that he was going to get the Tampa Bay Bucks kind of geeked up for that game against Carolina. He wasn't gonna, was going to make sure all the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted. I think that this week they will be ready again, the Tampa Bay Bucks. The problem is, as I've said in several spots this season, that Rams defense is impressive to me. I think that Aaron Donald has been just an absolute game changer. I still, as much as we talk about him, I don't think he gets enough credit um, because of the position he plays. And he changes the game at defensive tackle. So I think that the Tampa Bay offensive line is going to have their hands full this week. And I know, obviously, Tom Brady, not the most mobile quarterback in the world. And he has had trouble in these types of situations when you're able to get pressure up front and uh, you know right in his face. That is the prescription for beating him. That is what I think the Rams will be able to do this week. Then we know about their wide receivers. Jalen Ramsey has been shutting down people all over the place. I think it's going to be a great matchup. I think things are going to get a little chippy between him and Mike Evans, right? And I think if things get a little bit chippy, that they might end up losing their cool. I don't trust the Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, uh, obviously, mindset, chemistry yet. We're going to see how things go when thing, when they're not flowing uh, this week, I think. When it's one of a, it's going to be an ugly game that they're going to have to muddy up. And then on the other side of the ball, I think that... I think that the Rams have the ability to go sideline to sideline and kind of stretch that front for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think if they use that West Coast offense, that they'll be able to spread them out, get them going sideline to sideline, and then the, it'll open up the middle of the field. They'll hit some big plays down uh, the middle. So I think that's the recipe for success. I think Sean McVay will be able to game plan. The coaching mindset here is is a good one. The Rams have a little bit more chemistry. Even if they win, the Bucks. that is, I think this is a close one, and I see it coming down to like a last possession, they're trailing field goal type of thing, one way or the other. And so for that reason, when you're giving me four points, I'll take the Rams in this one. What do you think, Greg? Um, no disagreement here, uh, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna paint a little scenario here, and just give me a second. This is my favorite time of year, right? <laughs> we haven't talked about um, Raiders Chiefs, right? I couldn't give it out in the tease because it's off the board, um, but what I will say is, st- great Sunday night uh, matchup, great Monday night matchup. If I'm looking at this game, I want the points with the Rams, right? So when you can play the Raiders and the Chiefs, if you wanted to tease down, 
the Chiefs and you wanted to tease up the Rams um, to get yourself basically a pick 'em for the Chiefs and then uh, like 10 and a half or 11 for the Rams. I would like that all the way. You're going to be putting your feet up. You're getting ready for Thanksgiving on Thursday. Who who doesn't want to have some some action on this Monday night game? Because you got two good primetime matchups here. So um, should be good. I, I, I really I think the hope is right that these are are close games. They're talking a lot about revenge for the Chiefs, uh, and and I am interested just like you to see. Okay, Tom. They, they certainly proved me wrong. They had their bounce back game and they, they, yeah, they did a good job. Right. So now they're going up against another good team, right? How are they going to react against a good team? Right. Cause I think we can all agree Carolina, probably not a good team. Right. So the, the Rams, I think people have just been undervaluing them all year. So you're catching more of a, more than a field goal here. And, you know, why, why not take those points and, um, you know, roll into that game. They, they could certainly win the game outright. Uh, so from, from that side of things, I, I like it. One other thing that I might look at here is, uh, the total, I think is 48 and a half or 49. Um, and, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, this is this kind of has a playoff feel to it, right? We're talking uh, about two teams in the NFC that might be playing for seeding here. Uh, and I think that this time of year in playoff games, things get to get a, seem to get a little tighter. And I think that these two teams, despite having the perception as offensive teams, have both have very good defenses, right? Sure. And, and so I wouldn't be surprised if this game is a lower-scoring game uh, and stays under that total. I, if you're going to play an under, I tend to wait because I feel like unless it's something glaring, the public usually brings that number up a little bit. Unless you're going to jump on the opening number, then it, mm-hmm. the, the public usually brings it up a little bit. But if it's if it's at a 49, especially if it's a Monday night football game, because uh, that's a key number, I think I might look to play the under in this one as well. Thoughts on that? Yeah, no, no. Uh, it, I mean, your logic is the same logic we used yesterday, right? So the the Arizona Seattle game. Now those are teams with not good defenses, right? But you, you thought it was going to be a tighter game that we're going to scratch and claw a little bit more as we get to the second half of the year, and it wasn't going to be loaded up like it was that first matchup. So if we're using similar logic, and hopefully if you're taking that, you get the same result. Yep. All right. So that. Brings us to the close of this week's edition of the Wingfoot Locks to recap for you. We like Tennessee and the Patriots. Tennessee plus six, Patriots minus two. We're both on those. Greg's tease of the week. Jacksonville plus 17 and a half, under 54 and a half in Philly and Cleveland. I like the Falcons, the Jets, and the Rams. I'm holding my nose with the Jets because even a broken clock is right twice a day. Maybe there's some good value there. Any last words, Greg? Nope. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Uh, I don't think we have a. Uh, I don't think we're going to do a pod before that, so we'll just do one for next week. I'm I'm guessing. So, happy Happy Thanksgiving and enjoy the football, uh, or at least the Thursday night game because those other games are putrid on Thanksgiving <laughs> Day. That is true. It's going to be tough to eat turkey and watch some of those teams play, uh, it, but. Don't forget to check out the uh, Wingfoot Lock Instagram, Wingfoot Sports Instagram page for the Lock of the Week. Chris Portente again picking better than seventy percent on the season. I know the lock is already up there, so go ahead and check it out. And hopefully, uh, it'll be another good winning Sunday for everyone all around. For Greg Hoyle, for Chris Portente over in Instagram land. I'm Joe Masiri. Remember, everyone. Until next time, it's not whether you win or lose; it's whether or not you cover the spread. Have a great week. Enjoy the games. Talk to you next time.